Uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Second Chronicles chapter 32. Second Chronicles chapter 32. We've been following the life of Hezekiah, which was one of the kings of Judah. And uh, we've been noticing how the Lord worked through him. And, and it's, it's an interesting part of the Old Testament because it's constantly talking about this guy's heart. And we've seen a lot of good come through this guy's heart, but that's always the Lord at work. And last week we saw that there was a hiccup. Hezekiah had had this deathly illness, a boil that was on his body was going to cause him to die. And yet by the Lord's word and through the prophet Isaiah and what had happened there, the Lord uh, came and healed Hezekiah. Um, But what we saw last week that as a result of that, Hezekiah forgot that it was the Lord who did it. And he actually was filled up with pride and somehow owned the healing for himself. And and the Lord rebuked him. And then the Lord corrected him and he became a humble man again. But we're actually going to go into a passage this morning that's another hiccup. It's an issue in Hezekiah's life. And I believe it also reflects much of what happens in our own life um, as we forget about the Lord so often. So we're in Second Chronicles chapter 32. This is uh, just, just after he's been healed and, and prideful and then humble. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 27. It says, And Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. And he made for himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of costly vessels, storehouses also for the yield of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle and sheepfolds. He likewise provided cities for himself and flocks and herds in abundance, For God had given him great possessions. This same Hezekiah closed the upper outlet of the waters of Gihon and directed them down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all of his works. So after his healing, it gives us a little reference about Hezekiah that says he had a lot of stuff. And he ended up building storehouses in great cities to collect all these things. He had shields and he had food and he had money and he had goods and he stored them, them all up. It said that the Lord had given him these possessions. Lord had somehow, even though he was under the oppression of the Assyrians and all that was going on, allowed him to corral all these things together. And the Lord had given him all these possessions as well. The Lord led him in some facility upgrades He was actually during an ancient time able to cause the water through conduits to be piped into Jerusalem to allow them to have basically a plumbing system. So he did some pretty great things as far as uh, allowing them to experience um, uh, blessings in their needs, but also for directing water and, and facilitating things. So he was having a pretty good run and the Lord had helped him with that. So what happens next is this. It says that. Uh, Verse 31, so in the matter of the envoys from the princes of Babylon who had been sent to him to inquire about the sign that had been done in the land, God left Hezekiah to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. Uh, What's that about? Um, In 2 Kings and also in Isaiah, it tells us what these envoys were about. The Assyrian king had actually learned that Hezekiah had had a deathly illness and that God had sent a sign and had healed him. And so the king of Assyria had actually sent an envoy to bring a present to him to say, hey, I'm I'm glad you're well. Here's a fruit basket or whatever it was. Uh, And so the envoys come and in both kings and Isaiah... It says that when they got there, he showed them all around. 
In fact, I'm going to read the portion out of uh, Second Kings really quick to show what happened when they came. It says in Second Kings chapter 20, verse 12, at that time, uh, Merodach Baladin, the son of Baladon, king of ba- uh, Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah welcomed them and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory and all that was found in his storehouses. There was there was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah, the prophet, came to Hezekiah and said to them. What did these men say and from where did they come to you? Hezekiah said they've come from a far country from Babylon. And Isaiah said, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, they've seen all that's in my house. There's nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Hezekiah said, or Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that's in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who shall be born to you shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So if we stop there, what had happened was Hezekiah had amassed all these things. He'd been healed and he's got these this waterway. He's got all these things. And this group comes over from Babylon. And what he does is he gives them a tour. He says, come on and see with me all the things that I got. So they stroll around and he's like, check out this storeroom full of gold. And they march over here and he says, check out the pipes I made for Jerusalem. And they go over here and he's like, look at all the horses I have. And look at all the shields. Look at all this stuff that I have amassed. The prophet Isaiah comes in and says, who are these guys? He says, oh, they're from Babylon. What have you showed them? I showed them all that's mine. See, Hezekiah, despite the Lord having blessed him, healed him, provided for him. When other people came to see, he said, look what I've done. Look what I got. Suddenly Isaiah or uh, Isaiah nailed him on the point. He's like, you're calling everything yours. But let me tell you what's going to happen to yours. You and all you've done, everything you got, it's going to be taken from you and it's going to be put over in Babylon. Your sons are going to become eunuchs. They're not even going to have families. They're going to be at service of the foreign king. That's what's going to happen to you. To Hezekiah and all that the Lord had given him, he suddenly said, this is mine. I've earned this. I've done this. And when he showed it off, he he didn't come to a thing of saying, look what the Lord has done for us. He said, look what I've done for us. Look how I've been successful. The problem wasn't that he had a whole bunch of stuff. The problem was he didn't realize where it came from, or at least he didn't give a testimony of that. And so he began to rely on himself and rely on this and, and that and not the Lord. What had happened was instead of the Lord being everything for his heart, like it had started at the beginning in his kingship and in his in his life. He now, as he's gotten older, he's, he's starting to coast. He's starting to say, I've done it. I'm getting there. And in fact, if you go to this passage in Second Kings, I stopped a little bit short because Isaiah says, you know what? This is going to happen. It's all going to be carried away, even your sons. And this is Hezekiah's reply. Look at how cold this is. It says in verse 19, then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, oh, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For Hezekiah thought, why not? If there will be peace and security in my days. Hezekiah's like, well, as long as I'm not in hot water and I'm not suffering, you know, let that happen to the next generation. I'm fine. Ouch. Hezekiah is just settled into what he's got. 
He is willing to take the credit for what the Lord's done. He has not learned the lesson of being humble. He had humbled himself, but now comes this point where he's like, I got this. And we could easily turn this on one another and say, it's all about how much you've got. We could go to people and say, you know what? You think all that you've got from your job, it's all because you did it. But this isn't just about money. This is about heart. It's never just about money. It's never just about talent or what you've done or how you've succeeded. In fact, oftentimes the very same thing that Hezekiah is doing applies just as much to the strengths and the bounty as it does to the weaknesses and the failures. We end up owning those things and saying, I'm doing these things. What's interesting is in the second Chronicles passage, did you notice how this was happening? It says something interesting. I want to review it in second Chronicles again. This one verse, it says in verse 31 at the end of the verse. God left him to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. This is still a heart issue. And so it says there, God, in order to test him, said, let me leave Hezekiah over there and see what he's going to do. And what did Hezekiah do when he was left alone? When he wasn't minding God, he said, I've done this. We've got this thing at our house. We've we've got this dog, this thing. And uh, this is, she's a puppy. We're trying to train her. And so we've got a fenced in yard where she can roam. But there's certain places and certain things that we don't want her to go to or to do so for instance uh katie's got a garden with flowers and different things we do not want her going in the garden because we don't want her to trample on flowers and we don't want her to dig up bulbs and we don't want her fluffy furball hair to get covered in mud and then bring it in the house when she comes so we don't want her in the garden we've been training her not to go in the garden when we're out there she does a pretty good job of not going in the garden and we don't like her to dig and so when she's out around the fence or anything, and she's starting to dig, we're on her. We, we don't want her to dig. When we're out there, she does a really great job of not digging. But in her training, what we've understood is when we're not there, something else goes on. When we're not there, suddenly she's like, oh, yeah, garden's mine. <laughs> when we're not there, she's like, oh, yeah, I can dig by the fence if I want to. So what do we do? We we leave her to herself for a little while. We've got this great window on the second floor of our house where I'll open it up and, and I'll quietly sit there and I'll watch from the top. See, I've left her alone for a little while to see what she's going to do in her heart. You know, she's a dog. <laughs> she wants to run where she's not supposed to. She wants to dig where she's and do what she's not supposed to. And so I watch. And as her owner, trying to watch over, because I care for her and love her, and I also love my wife and her flowers, I, I watch over this dog, and I watch what she's doing. When she goes in that garden from up top, I'm like, hey! No, you don't! See, she thought she could get away with it. For a while, she was apart from me. But suddenly, she's called back to attention, and she's like, where's that voice coming from? I know that voice. And then she looks up behind me and sees that I'm there and gets out of the garden. Or she'll go to digging up. Uh-uh. she looks up see god did that to hezekiah oh with god when we're at church we're fine everything's the lord's a oh, victory in jesus that's what the lady's saying right we're at church that's how it goes but man we go out to our job we go out to our family we show off what we got victory in me look what i did when god steps back for a moment what are you doing in your heart that's what he did to Hezekiah. I'm stepping away from you. I'm going to see what you do. I want to see if your heart's still with. I want to see if I'm still your everything, Hezekiah. I want to see if when I leave you alone, you're still digging in the garden. 
I want to see if you're running where you're not supposed to or if you mind your master. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? See, the Lord has blessed you in many ways. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about finances. I'm, I'm sure you could open up your, your balance statement and show me where you are financially. That's fine. That's great. God's blessed you. I'm not just talking about that. I want you to consider for a moment what your strengths are as a person. Okay? It, it may be talents. It may be um, uh, your capabilities and your mindset and just where you are in life. And you got all these strengths. But let me tell you a secret. Just about everything that you would own as a strength or that the Lord's blessed you with can also be turned into a complete weakness. Uh, Katie and I, we had to fill out one time an application for somebody who was um, uh, this couple that was filling out application for a uh, adoption and um, back in Seattle. And so uh, we got the reference sheet and the reference sheet asked us to list 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 three strengths of each of the individuals, the, the husband and the wife. So we sat there and we're like, oh man, this, he's so good at this and he's so good at this and she's awesome at this. And then we got to the second part that said, now write three weaknesses of these individuals. And you know what? The same thing that we put on the strengths line, we put down on the weaknesses line. Because for instance, her strengths were being a very detailed go-getter and you were able to get things done. And then in the weaknesses, it's like, she's way too detailed. <laughs> like, you don't get anything done. See, it just kind of depended on the moment when it was a strength and when it wasn't. And a lot of times, that's the way it operates for us. When our strengths in the Lord's, the way he's made us and gifted us, we can use those for the Lord when we're wholeheartedly abandoned towards him. Not just when we're at church, but all the time we say, Lord, I'm giving this all to you. But in the same moment, we can go back and, man, if we don't use those for the Lord, it becomes a complete weakness and a battering ram against what God's trying to do. Here, Hezekiah has an opportunity to say, look what the Lord has done. I want to show you foreigners who God is by what he's done in and through our community. Look at God. And instead, he says, look at me. His abundance suddenly became his weakness. His plumbing that was so masterful in the day suddenly became his pride. I, uh, there was a time... In the back, I was dealing with a situation of distress. And, um, you know, I, you know me. Many of you have known me now for almost three years. You kind of know my personality. And I believe that a lot of people have said about me, you know, one of your strengths is just kind of being laid back. You know, you just kind of take things as they come. You're fine. You know, you're never just pulling your hair out. You can just go, you know. And I've taken that. I'm a laid back guy. And so this moment of stress came upon me and you know it was just like for a long time it was just stress and i was like god like take this take the stress away from help me trust in you you know and it wouldn't leave i was like what is going on and the lord spoke to me and he said this he said how do you normally deal with stress and my answer was well i don't deal with stress because i'm a laid-back guy and he said, exactly. That's what you've been trying to do in this moment. You have been relying on the fact that one of your strengths is being a laid back guy and not my strength of always caring for you. See, suddenly something that I felt 
was my strength, I suddenly was saying, Lord, I don't need you. I'll make it through this stressful time by just being laid back. But the more I tried to say, I'm just going to lay back, the more I realized it wasn't taking care of the problem. The things that we take as strengths, we can easily take them and suddenly say, I don't need God. I've got this. And the Lord said, you know what? It's not because you're, it's because of my faithfulness. It's because in those moments you've been able to be laid back because you know I'll take care of it. You have to trust in me. That's why you can say, I've got no stress. It's got to be God. How are you when God is not standing with you or sitting next to you at church? It's all the time. Is he all you got? Is he everything to you? Has he done all this? The Lord has this great scripture that he gives in Psalm 23. Just this last week when I did Mr. Sherrill's funeral, we went out to the graveside. We said, we, 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 we read Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is so great. So great in just saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. It goes on and says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't you love that passage? But the thing is, that passage doesn't say it's only for the hard times. We always use that passage at the funeral, right? We always use that passage when I realize uh, I don't have enough money to make it or when my heart hurts. What about when times are good? Guess what? If you are a believer in Jesus, he is your shepherd all the time. He is your shepherd when you're working well in your strengths. He is your shepherd when, when your bank account seemingly is overflowing. He is your shepherd when there hasn't been a circumstance that's just overwhelmed you over the last month. You know what? He is still your shepherd. And when people come and they say, show me what's going on in your life, and you say, well, I've gotten everything taken care of. No, 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 no. That moment say, you've got to come meet my shepherd. He loves me. Look how he's cared for me. Look how this is all him. Look how when I ask him, what should I do? He tells me, look how he has taken care of my heart in the midst of these relationships. It's in everything. It's not just about money. It is. Is your heart holy with God? One of the things you'll notice in life. And Jesus says this when he says, watch the kids because they've got faith, have faith like a child. As you're a believer and you go on in life, isn't it true that a lot of times you just kind of kick it into cruise control? And yet we are warned against that. Paul speaks about this. He says this to Timothy about himself. He says, uh, first to Timothy, as for you, always be sober minded. Endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. And then he says this about himself, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. 
and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. See, Paul says this is a guy who's had faith for a long time. And yet at the end, he's like, I just my life just needs to be poured out for him. Let me not reserve anything for myself. Let me finish the race for him. Let me go all the way for him. Don't let me come to a point where I'm suddenly saying, look at all that I have done. Look at all the churches that I've started. Look how many whips and floggings I have taken on myself. Paul says, this is nothing for me. I'm completely poured out for God and let it continue that way. Let me finish the race. My friends, you take your awards and you take your money and you take your hurts and you take your weaknesses. You take them all to Jesus. And you do that all the way to the end of your life. Don't ever get to a point where you're like Hezekiah saying, look how good it is for me. He got so bad off, he said, well, at least my life is going to play out fine. Too bad for the kids. No, live to show the kids that God is your everything because they're going to need a shepherd too. Live to show your neighbors the good shepherd. Live to show them Jesus and what he did. Everything. Today we're coming to communion. We're going to finish with communion. And in this, I I like to go uh, and consider not, hey, how great of a guy was Hezekiah in all these things. It's always how great of a guy was Jesus How great of a guy was he who was never, ever a sinner? He never said, I'm the king of heaven, so I deserve a a huge chariot to ride me around. He never said, I deserve to own a house. He said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. And what I love about Jesus is the night before he was killed, he went into a garden. And three times he went to the father and said. Father, if you could take this cup from me, please do, but not my will yours be done. What he was saying those moments is repeatedly in the hardest crisis of his life. Father, you're everything. You're everything. I want to do this because you told me to. The book of Hebrews says he did it in obedience all the way. He poured himself out as the complete drink offering. He finished his race. And if he hadn't, he wouldn't have been able to win you. Scripture says he went on from that place of prayer. He went through his trial. He went through his beating. He went through carrying that cross. He went all the way up and he was nailed on that cross. So that there could be victory in Jesus. He did it. He did it. He rose from the grave and then he gave that good news to you and I. He saved us from our sins. Not so that we can run around and sing the glories of Unity Church or of our own names or the Lady of the Year or anything. This is all for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. Victory in Jesus. So this morning as we come to a close and we come to the end of the life of Hezekiah. Don't be so concerned about Hezekiah's heart. Or your neighbor's heart. Each of you take your own heart and put it before the Lord and say, is my heart completely yours? Have I been trying to share your glory? Have I been making excuses in my strengths and my riches or in my weaknesses and my failures? Have I been just making excuses? What do you see, Lord, from a distance from up in the top window? At all times, am I doing and trusting in you, doing what you've asked me to do?
And if there's anything in your heart that's like, no, that's not of God. The scripture says that's sin. That's a place of wickedness. And that you're to take that thing and take it to him and say, Lord, would you forgive me? Would you help me to own this? I had to come to a place of saying, Lord, would you own this stress? Let me not trust because of my personality and the way I operate. Let me trust because you are a faithful God. You will take care of this. Whatever you have in your heart that's not of him, just say, Lord, would you care for this? I need to trust you. Be my shepherd today.